Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We only have an hour today, and the reason that I say that is we are going to talk about pigweed control. And oh my goodness, pigweed gets so much attention. Certainly a difficult weed for many reasons, but we'll talk about how to get this weed under control on your farm and ensure that you aren't giving up yield. And that's one of the things. We get a lot of comments from listeners that say, man, you guys talk about weeds quite often on your show. Why do you focus on weeds so much? Because Brian and I grew up farming. We've been farming our whole lives. And we know if there's a weed patch out in our field, our yields go way down. It's not even close. It's terrible. And when you go through those spots, then you run a combine through there and you drag those weed seeds around and all of a sudden you got an even bigger problem going forward. So it's just one of those things on the farm that can be controlled. It saves a ton of work down the road. And man, it is so critically important. So we want to make sure that that you get the best information going into this year. Because yesterday, Brian, we had an ag chemical recommendation that one of our listeners had gotten from a local provider. And it, it was scary looking at that thing. I was like, what in the world are they recommending here? Well, the thing is, though, we don't know what his, if I remember right, we, we don't know what all his weeds were. And so it, we, we can't say North for Central sure. Iowa. We, 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 we have, have a, a pretty good really idea. Good idea. <laughs> right. Yes, I agree with that 100%. So what we talk about all the time with pigweed is it's water hemp, it's palmer pigweed, it's a number of other pigweed species. People get panicked about it and going, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And I go, we can absolutely control this thing, not just pretty well. We can control it 100%. It's not that complicated. Let me let me tell you exactly what I would do if you're in soybeans, okay? In soybeans, what you need to start with is, we talk about this all the time, the three pre's, okay? That is a yellow, either Prowl or Trifluralin. Go with PPO also, either Authority or Valor, and then use Metribuzin. You got those three things. In conventional till, you're going to spend $12. That's it. You're going to have three great modes of action, all fantastic on water hemp, palmer pigweed, kochia, lamb's quarters, and a number of other small seeded broadleaves, plus grass, $12. That's all you're spending. Now, if you're in no-till and you have to use prowl instead of the trifluralin, yep, you're going to spend a little more, bit more money. You're going to be up closer to 20 bucks. But even so, that's less than two bushels of beans, less than two bushels of beans, and you will have fantastic control. Then after that, what I would suggest you do, all depends on how bad this is and your crop canopy and everything else. And where I'm going with the crop canopy thing is this. We always want crop canopy. That's the best weed killer there is. Don't ever forget it. Way better than any herbicide. So if you say, look, I don't care what happens on my farm this year. I just absolutely want to get Palmer pigweed 100% under control. I'm going to tell you to go drill your soybeans at 7-inch spacings, maybe 10. But you want to get them, treat them with a great seed treatment to help speed your emergence. And now you can get fast crop canopy. And when you do that, then this Next step isn't even necessary, but here's the next step. Early post, I'd use either Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max. Either way, you're getting a Group 15 plus a PPO for about eight bucks. Okay, you're not going to spend a lot of money, but you're going to have 
two products with really good residual on all these weeds. Okay, next, what I would suggest is, it all, and it all depends on if you're conventional, if you're enlist, if you're extend, whatever you're using, Liberty, you've got plenty of herbicide choices after that. You can go enlist one in the enlist crops. That's 2,4-D. You can go dicamba in the extend crops. You can go Liberty and Liberty crops. Uh, beyond that, in conventional, you're probably talking Cobra and Roundup. If it's uh, round, straight Roundup ready. Otherwise, it's just Cobra in conventional till. But the point is, we've got lots of herbicides. You have to start with a great pre, though, if you want control on the pigweed species. The pre is the key. Now, in corn, simple. Wheat, simple. You just go start with sharpen either way, and then you follow post-emerge with one of the many, many, many products that will kill water hemp or palmer pigweed, and you've got this thing licked. So soybeans is where we have the real problem, and I just gave you the method to use, and it's not going to cost you a whole lot of money. Even if you give it the works, you're probably only going to spend you know, $35, maybe $40 an acre. I mean, and there are a couple steps in there you probably don't even have to do unless you have very, very severe pressure. So, I mean, start with the three pre's. You're talking 12 to 20 bucks right there, and then go from there. But anyway, we'll talk about it throughout the show. There are some more things to consider because there are other areas of the country, other weeds we're looking at. Um, you know, we got to think about sometimes rotational concerns and all that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about pigweed control throughout the day. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. You know, Brian, there, there are a lot of soil tests that come in. I'm going to throw some soil tests at you. I know you got a short period of time, so we may have to talk a little bit more right after the break about this as well. Uh, these are four pasture land soil samples from California and just wanted to get as much feed as they can. This is from Paul. I want to get all the feed I can get because pasture land is really expensive. In fact, uh, the field 0095, I'm considering planting safflower in for the summer and then following up with a long-term pasture mix in the fall. Oh, so just general? Yeah, in general, what, what, what do I you suggest? think would help improve productivity there? Where would you put your first dollars? Well, when the pH is down in the fives, you want to get that pH up. When the pH is already in the sixes, then I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, he has some in the fives, so you got to get a little bit of lime out there. After that, I mean, many of the nutrients are really low. So potassium's really low. Phosphorus, really low. Uh, sulfur. And then obviously nitrogen is the, the biggest one we talk about all the time in pasture ground. You could even use just a little bit of boron. So spend your money. It's mostly leachables other than the P and the K. But nitrogen, sulfur, boron, and then some P and K, and you should be in good shape. Hey, thanks for the question, Paul. We really appreciate that. Our topic today is pigweed control. We're going to get back into that right after this. Stay tuned. Acre to acre, year to year, generation to generation, nobody scrutinizes performance like you do. And acre to acre, year to year, generation to generation, the consistent performance of Vasgro brand soybeans helps to keep your profitability out in front, offering leading agronomic expertise and 100% exclusive genetics for strong yield potential. Ask your dealer how much further you can grow when Asgro leads the way. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. The only innovation that matters 
is the one I need. With NK Seeds, their R&D program actually listens to farmers like me. So I get solutions that solve my challenges. With the support to make them count. Because progress means pushing my potential. And success matters. Push your potential at nkseeds.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Talking pigweed on today's Ag PhD radio show, and we welcome your calls and agronomic questions throughout at 844 44 Ag PhD. You can always email us to radio at agphd.com. We got a bunch of emails today, uh, almost a daunting pile of emails, but we got to tackle this pigweed problem first. And we've got Tom Wood with Belsham on to help us with that. Tom, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's good to be on the show again. I think probably nine out of 10 growers that I talk to, it seems like anyway, say pigweed is one of their major weed concerns. I'm assuming you probably hear the same thing. We hear it all the time. We know it's growing. We know it's expanding. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so the resistance leads to existing weed programs being less effective. And we think well, we, we, we know, actually. Part of the reason we're so excited about bringing tough 5EC to the market is to help address these issues. We bring another mode of action, and uh, we've seen quite good control with, with tough. You know, you're exactly right about this thing. We leaned too heavy on one mode of action back in the late 90s. It was the ALS chemistry, and we ran that one out of gas pretty quick. Roundup, we leaned down for quite a while before we ran that one out of gas. But, man, we don't have that many options left. We can't afford to to just ride one mode of action anymore. And it's true. Um, so, and, uh, so tough brings that one more mode of action to the tank. It works very well with your current programs, perfect with HPPDs, um, synergizes with uh, HPPDs. It works very well with atrazine. We even seen it enhance it because it binds in different areas. So it's quite an effective tool that we can add to the grower's toolbox to, to address these weeds. Well, you mentioned a couple of different modes of action there, the HPPDs and atrazine that are both very inexpensive. And you think about that, adding tough to two more modes of action for not very much money is, is a pretty 
a decent alternative for growers. What about timing and making that product work? Are there some keys to making tough work? Uh, I'm thinking spray coverage is going to be a big one, potentially even how many gallons of water are you using per acre. What are you seeing, Tom? Well, we we have to see complete coverage with tough, and we'll recommend up to 30 gallons per acre for this one in the tank. So, yeah, it's going to be very important for uh, – tough to be effective to make sure you get complete coverage. Uh, but at the same time, we have a very broad window of application up to the eight leaf stage uh, of corn. But, you know, uh, just like uh, when we talked last time, I said, let's get those weeds while they're little. Absolutely. So we don't have to get them while they're too big. Well, just to get down to them. And that, that gets to be the challenge when we, we visit farmers that, that for whatever reason, maybe the weather turned against them or whatnot, and they can't get out there later. That's why Brian was talking earlier about, man, just because we have some good post-emerge options doesn't mean we want to skip that pre. We want to do a good job with the pre because that does buy us yeah. a window when we run into some bad weather in season. Yeah, that's for sure. And in, in thinking about the cost of putting another mode of action in, tank as an example uh with tough say you get 95 percent control with your current program what's the other five percent to get to 100 worth to you well if you think about pig weeds they can produce up to 400,000 seeds when competing with a crop and uh figure you got 50 plants that survive or escape your application that's 460 seeds per square foot and you just don't want to take that chance. No, so we no, it's intimidating. It's still cost effective um, in any event. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. You're right. If we, we let a few weeds get by, it's a disaster going forward. It makes it that much tougher to catch up. We're talking with Tom Wood here with Belsham. Tom, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. All right. Much appreciated. Let's head down to Nebraska. We got Lowell Sandell with us with Valent. And, and Lowell, I, I'm guessing that what Brian started the show with uh, of, hey, you can't skip the pre and you need multiple modes of action, I bet that rings true down in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, you, you're certainly right. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's cold right now, but here in a few months, uh, what, two or, or three or four months, we'll see uh, pig, pig weeds starting to germinate. And, uh, you know, you definitely want to start a crop off uh, weed-free to, to really uh, get the year off right, that's for sure. You know, I just had a conversation this morning with a, a farmer in his, I think, late 60s, early 70s, and he's been using Valor for quite a while. And he was visiting with this agronomist, and I got into the conversation. He, he said, you know, Valor's been working so good for me. Why is it so important I'm adding these other modes of action in there? And they were talking about adding a Group 15. They were talking about adding... A, a yellow. They were talking about metribuzin. They're just having all these conversations of what would make good tank mix partners. What are the good tank mix partners? What have you seen success with, and, and what do you see that has a wide play where growers could use it on every acre? Well, if a, if a grower has had uh, success with, uh, with uh, Valor um, herbicide, you know, one of the ways to um, add a, an, an effective second mode of action would be something like uh, Mahler or a, a Metribuzin uh, product uh, that's two uh, effective uh, modes of action. And, you know, that, that would be a pretty economical uh, approach. Um, 
the other method, I guess, would be to look at something like a fierce or a fierce MTZ where you have uh, multiple effective modes of action that are uh, premixed. And, uh, you know, you have that group 14 and the group 15 uh, pre-emergence in, in, in one product there. Now, one of the products that the, the grower was interested in looking at was something like Perpetuo coming in post. Where do you see the timing to work for that? I know in Nebraska you got irrigated acres, you got dryland acres. Does it vary for you? Do you like it on a little bit earlier on those dryland acres? Yes, that's a good question. Um, you know, when somebody is, is looking at the, uh, the, the post overlapping residual that – uh, the a, a perpetual that a perpetual would uh, kind of fit into um, if if they have a uh, a good pre-emergence program uh, down and in place um, you know overlapping that residual uh, prior to uh, v6 soybeans uh, is, is a good idea um, but you know taking some some uh, some care or some thought about what pre-emergence product you put out there and what the rate is, uh, you know, you may want to follow uh, with a post-residual, you know, anywhere from 20, 21 to 35 days um, after the first application, just to make sure that if you're taking that, that overlapping residual approach, you don't have a, a break in the blanket uh, for lack of a better way to, to, to say that. Now, one of the questions we get from from growers on on pigweed, for example, is well, I hear about all these different resistances out there, and and PPO is one that gets mentioned. Is that a, a widespread concern right now? Where where are you seeing those pockets at? And and if so, uh, if you're putting in two or three modes of action, and one of them happens to be a PPO, uh, is that sufficient? Yeah, that, that's that's also a really good question because you know um, you. We can just say uh, PPO resistance, and you know that that certainly does exist in in, in, um, in amaranth or pigweed species uh, out there. Um, but mo- most of the time that we're talking about that, we're talking about it from a post-emergence uh, standpoint. Um, pre-emergence or soil residual applications uh, are still effective, uh, even on pigweed populations that are. Um, or documented resistant to uh, post-emergence PPOs. Uh, But there's some caveats that uh, folks uh, should, I guess, concern themselves with uh, in in that scenario. Um, You know, you you don't want to rely on only a a, uh, PPO pre, uh, like a Valor by itself, where you have known uh, PPO resistant uh, populations. That's where a product like Fierce comes in, into play, and that's uh, a good management strategy where somebody might be concerned about that. Absolutely. Yeah, you get get full rates of other modes of action in there that can take care of the pigweed on their own, and hey, if you get the extra kicker out of the PPO on, on most of those weeds, that's fantastic as well. Talking with Lowell Sandell here with Valent. Lowell, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. 
See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit AgBiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly. Partnering with Microbes for Human Benefit. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and we're talking about pigweed control. And I think it's fun, Brian, when we read farm papers that say, ah, there's a super weed out there. It's pigweed. And we want to defeat that super weed because let's face it, we got a lot of good control methods for this one. And I get it. It's not so easy as, oh, we just have to spray Roundup once or twice anymore. But, But we can take care of this super weed. Yeah, I don't view it as a super weed at all. It's a weed and we can absolutely control it if we use the right products at the right time. So next on the show, we've got Matthew Wiggins. He is with FMC. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, guys. How are y'all? Great. So what'd you think about my statement there? We can absolutely control Palmer pigweed, but we got to use the right products at the right time. That's right, guys. We've, we've got to have a proactive plan in place to make sure we're staying out in front of the pigweed complex, whether you're talking about water hemp or palmer. Um, it's just always good to be out in front of it instead of be chasing it from behind. 
Now, I'm glad I'm talking to to someone from down in Tennessee because Palmer pigweed is far worse down there than it is right here. And when we when you put a pre down, let's say it's the best combination you can come up with. Let's say it's Authority MTZ or what, whatever you pick. Uh, right. What percent control can you expect out of a pre? Because obviously you're going to have to follow with something post-emerge. But what kind of percent control would you say a person can get pre? That's right. You know, and, and, and really, I know you mentioned Authority MTZ, but we're really transitioning to Authority Edge down here. Um, that's got two really good effective modes of action on our Palmer amaranth species and our biotypes that we have present here. Um, and, and really, that level of control can be varying, you know, just depending on your environmental conditions. But, I mean, we it's not it's not uncommon for us to see 9 to 95% control with that product, you know, for up to three weeks. But, um, the key there is is to make sure that we're still making that timely overlapping residual herbicide application in season um, because if not, it can get away from us. All right. So in terms of making that product work well pre-emerge, up here we run into the issue of, well, we don't get rain real timely. But what what is the big concern for farmers down there in terms of how you make the product work well? Yeah, the, the same thing. So, you know, we're, we're, we have intermittent, um, you know, random rain showers just like everybody does and making sure that we get good activation um, with the product like Authority Edge is going to be key to being uh, efficient in that application. Um, the good thing is about the combination of those two herbicides is that sulfentrazone or the base of the Authority brand um, is, is readily activated with very little water compared to a product like peroxysulfone. Um, where we really know that we need a good half inch to three quarters of an inch to get adequate activation. So being able to have a good tank mix partner like Authority Edge, we're actually able to make sure we kind of get a, a, a two for one, if you will, and make sure we've got good activation regardless of our environment. What do you see for residual then in terms of the Authority products? I know Authority can last a long time in the soil, a sulfentrazone, but I, I mean, just talk to us about that, that, residual window and how long that would be that's right um you know and and i I guess the good thing to note too is that that's changed that's evolved over time with the onset of ppo resistance which is pretty prevalent now here in the mid-south but um these pre-emergence ppo inhibitors like authority yeah they last a really good long time but you know what we're seeing is about that 21 to 28 day window that's really when we need to be making that application of that overlapping residual uh, many times that's anthomax and our soybeans um, down here in the mid-south. Um, so making sure that we, we've got, you know, really, uh, you know, small weeds at that time of that post-application for that overlapping residual is going to make our post-herbicide program be more effective over the long term. All right. Any last tips you got for us, Matthew? Anything you can tell us about getting better pigweed control? Um, just, you know, stick to the plan, you know, use integrated pest management programs the best you can. That's going to be using multiple effective modes of action and, and different herbicide programs, um, but also incorporating things like cover crops and other uh, cultural and mechanical means as part of your weed control program. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot. We appreciate the information. Again, we've been talking to Matthew Wiggins with FMC. Matthew, thanks for the time today. Absolutely. Let's head over to Minnesota. We've got Tim Dahl with us with Syngenta. Now, Tim, you may not have to fight as many Palmer pigweeds as Matthew's fighting, but you certainly have a lot of water hemp in the state of Minnesota. Hey, absolutely. We, we have a lot of water hemp, and unfortunately, 
as you well know, in South Dakota as well, that, that Palmer is moving here. Um, I, I talked to uh, some folks that recently, you know, as this year founded in more counties and where I'm at, it's actually in the county where, where I live. And, and so, um, yeah, it's get to be more of a problem, but water hemp, boy, we have a lot of water hemp and, and not to, you know, uh, talk about too many of the same things, but, but, uh, the issue that we're, we're facing and, and your previous caller touched on it a bit was, you know, we're facing multiple sites of action with resistance with a lot of the, uh, the water hemp. So we really need to be aggressive in our control uh, on that weed. All right. When we think about that, you've got a lot of different crops that you cover in the state of Minnesota. Is soybeans the toughest one to get these under control or, or what crops are, are growers really struggling in looking for more solutions? Yeah, it, it's, Soybeans, I think, are the crop um, that we probably see the water hemp poking through a lot. Um, you know, in our grow more locations, uh, we had uh, we we didn't think we had a lot of water hemp pressure at, at our Janesville site, and we were out there in August, and those little plants, you know, were coming up in some of the treatments that didn't have that residual that you were just talking about. Um, some of the the treatments, you know, we didn't put a group 15 in there. We didn't put the dual in on that post pass on the beans and boy those water hemp emerged really late in the season and those things were four or five inches and they had a seed head on them so uh in soybeans we see it you know probably more corn we get a little more shading you know some of the other crops come off a little bit earlier with the with the grains small grains and and uh we just don't see it but they're probably there but soybeans would be yes the, the crop that we fight with it probably the most all right, Tim, one question that we've been getting from some growers in Minnesota this year is, hey, we've been wet for a long time, but now we're hearing talk that it could be a dry season this year. How does that change up what you would recommend for pigweed control if you knew it's going to get dry this year? Yeah, I probably um, wouldn't do things much different. Uh, again, uh, again, um, you know, like your previous caller talked about, multiple effective sites of action, having a, a combination of products. We have a lot of different uh, premixed products that um, take very little amount of moisture to get activated. And then obviously when we have the group 15, the dual in there, um, you know, that thing is going to be around a, a while longer. And, and we do get, you know, unless it's just a super bad um, drought, we're going to get a shot of rain to activate that dual. And it's gonna it's gonna have a really long length of control, and that's why we stack that product as a pre, and then come back with our post treatment, and we try and get another uh, another round in there as well. All right, on the corn side, there have been a lot of different products that have been coming out, and I know a lot of growers like to use HPPDs, products like Acuron Flexi, for example, trying to get ahead of pigweed. And uh, what do you see with that that's working well? Do you see a one-shot one shot treatment having a, a good impact on the pigweeds with a heavy dose early, or do you like the split-shot type approach? Well, I would definitely... Um recommend a split shot again uh, we need to get those things when they're small um, once once those species get over four or five and even six inches boy they get really tough to control and again you just talked about and asked about the weather if if we don't have a pre-down and uh, we get some adverse weather conditions and we can't get in there and and those uh, amaranth species get taller than you know, five, six inches, they get really tough to control. 
And so I would always recommend the two shot. If, you know, worst case scenario, um, you know, we absolutely can induce these circumstances where one shot, you know, if you really load things up and are very timely, they can work and they can work well. But again, it's, you know, that's, that's playing with fire when we do a planned one pass, right? That would be more of a, you know, I need to get my crop planted. It's getting late in the spring and it's been wet and you go ahead and plant and then do a very early shot. Yeah, I want to. I want to hedge my bets. I love having that second pass as well. Hey, Tim, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. No, thank you. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker treated nitrogen.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Been talking about pigweed control on the show today, and I think you've kind of heard a common theme here with everybody that's been on so far. Use multiple modes of action. Use pre-emerge herbicides very well. Make sure they're either incorporated or activated with moisture to, to get them working. And, you know, we talked a little bit about dry weather. To to us on our farm, that's something we plan for most years that, hey, it's probably going to get dry at some point. And one of the tricks that we've been using to get those pre's to work a little bit better is get them on a little earlier so you got more time to catch some moisture on them to get them activated or even just lightly incorporate them if incorporation works into your scheme that you're using on your farm. That's going to get them down into the soil where they need to be and now it takes a little bit less moisture to get them to work. I think a common theme today was we talked a lot about effective modes of action and especially two modes of action, but two is not enough. Two is not enough. You need three effective modes of action pre-emerge. On pigweed, I talked about it earlier, get a PPO, get Metribuzin, get a yellow out there. Early post, come back with another PPO like Flexstar or Cadet along with a group 15. So that's where I mentioned Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max. So now... That means you will have gotten four effective modes of action out there, five products that all have residual, and you will have 99.9% control out, uh, I mean, on your pigweed species. It's that good, but you've got to really be aggressive with it. And you're not talking a lot of money. In conventional till, you're talking a grand total for all five products, 20 bucks. In no-till, you're talking in the range of 25 to 30. And on top of that, you can spray later for the weeds that continue to come back later if you don't have great crop canopy super early. Like I mentioned, Liberty, 2,4-D, Dicamba, uh, Roundup, if you have pigweed species that aren't Roundup resistant. Otherwise, you're basically left with Cobra after you've done all the five that I five modes of action that I talked about early on. So again, be aggressive with it. You've got to get the prion well, if you don't get the prion you know in a lot of cases they'll just tell you don't even plant the beans let me don't add, plant the beans yet. let me add something to that too brain because you were talking about five modes of action there and and i know whenever Four. whenever we talk about putting on a bunch of different modes of action or hey add this a lot of folks that are listening say, man, cost, cost, cost. That's going to get into my head of, well, I, I'm worried about that. I keep my cost down because as farmers, we've been told for years and years, well, we got to keep our costs down, but you got to look at these things as investments. And I think it was Tom Wood that was on with Belsham that made the comment, hey, if you get 95% control instead of 100, it's a disaster and you've got a huge problem yep. going forward. That's right. And for a few extra bucks in most cases, the, the extra ingredient they add in is is an HPPD for three bucks in corn or a little bit of Metribuzin for three or four bucks or you know something like that it doesn't take much it's not like we're saying you got to add a twenty dollar ingredient it's it's cheap in a lot of cases and that's my point two modes of action pre-emerge is not enough and you need you need three and you need effective modes of action, not just modes of action. That's where we were talking about, for example, yesterday, and somebody asked about Zidua Pro. Darren started the show with that today. Well, Zidua Pro is fine for certain weed species, but it's not fine for pigweed because you have Sharpen that's not going to work for residual, and you have Pursuit in there that's ALS, so it's not going to kill them. So now you've got three modes of action, but only one that's effective. That's not enough. 
It's just simply not enough. With pigweed species, our problem, our biggest concern with water hemp and palmer pigweed is each plant can put on a million, a million seeds. So if three go to seed, go to go to seed in your field, three, all of a sudden you got three million seeds out there for next year. That's not what you want. We we've got to have better control. All right, Darren, anything else on that? No, Brian, but we're getting a lot of questions, and, and I want to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag again. This one comes from Hayden. He said, I, I got a new job. I'm going to be a spray applicator for a co-op in Minnesota. I don't have any experience spraying yet, but it's something that I've always <laughs> wanted to learn. Okay. So I'm wondering what tips you have with all the chemicals that can be applied, what can be applied on certain crops and what can't for certain crops, et cetera. Thank you in advance. Hey, Hayden, uh, first of all, the list of what can go on which crop is <laughs> immense. We could literally be here all week talking about that. So All year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one I can't really help you with, but any tips that but, I can give you for spraying, I would get to know your equipment very, very well, get to know what it takes to operate that equipment very, very well, and do whatever you can to get a little bit of practice before you're out in a field. Now, the good thing in Minnesota is you're going to have a lot of bare ground application that you're going to make to start the year off. That's awesome. You don't have to worry about running over crop or any of that kind of thing. So that's a good way to start and and get you a jump on things. But, you know, one thing you're going to want to learn about a lot is the spray tips as well, knowing which tips go for which products to help you dial in spray pressure, gallon spraker, those kinds of things. That that will be one one big thing as well. So, Darren, is this year, uh, is it going to be seven years for us now? For Ag PhD Radio this summer, is it six or seven? Boy, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't remember. I think it's six, but I'm not certain of that. I was thinking it was seven. It could be seven. Uh, Janelle says it just Janelle says it feels like at least seven having to deal (laughs) with the brothers. It feels like fifty, yeah. But anyway, here's my point. So when he's looking for advice, we have roughly from the last seven years over seventeen hundred. Ag PhD radio shows that we've done. And you can podcast all those if you would like to. You can also watch 13 years, or sorry, uh, 23 years of Ag PhD TV. So we have all that available as well. 23 years, that's uh, roughly 1,200 shows. May, you may think, Hayden, <laughs> that, well, I don't want to watch back 10 years or more ago, but honestly, 90% of the products that are on the market were around then. So, or at, or at least, least 90, the active ingredients. Yes, the active ingredients. Almost every single uh, active ingredient was around back then. So here's the point. We put out all kinds of content. And you can you can go back and look at a lot of that stuff. Otherwise, it's just like when somebody is going to start as a farmer, we say be an apprentice to a farmer, basically be the hired man, as the farmer will call it. Um, and for an applicator, you're going to be an apprentice to somebody else. You just have to learn and start from scratch. And but, ask a lot of questions. Don't yep. be afraid. Now, the one thing that I will say is with sprayer technology today, you probably have a leg up on somebody who's been running that machine for 30 years because you went to school when they taught with computers. When I was in school, they didn't teach with computers. I took a computer class. when It was my junior, senior year in high school, and it was like such a foreign thing to everybody. You know, there are no cell phones back then, just almost nothing with computers. So when you're well-versed with computers, then you're probably going to do quite well, and you're going to pick stuff up pretty easily in terms of operating the actual machine. 
All right, thanks for the question, Hayden. Uh, get some soil samples here to look at, Brian. Uh, these come from Central South Dakota. 25-year no-till ground except for the field TY4. Just wanted you to look at these soil samples. These are some that you may want to use for your Neil Kinsey seminar coming up later this month. This is from Rick. Hey, thanks, Rick. Really appreciate that. Are these the ones where you sent me that summary? Yes. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> Janelle prints out uh, the emails that come in. So we've got a nice copy that we can mark up and, and look at. And uh, one of the pages that she printed out, Rick, you'll probably get a kick out of this. She took all those tests, put them all on one sheet, and it is such fine print that you wouldn't even realize that it's letters and numbers if you didn't know that, of course, it has to be. So I don't know if she's trying to give Brian a hard time here as he's trying to read it or what. Well, the whole thing is, yeah, you'd have to have unbelievable unbelievable X-ray vision, or not X-ray, but uh, magnifying vision to see that. So I'm using the magnifying glass app on my smartphone. And then I can read it all. So that's just one trick we always say at our, our Ag PhD workshops, too. If the print's too small, use your phone. Your phone's a great magnifying glass. But anyway, when we look at his soil tests, the biggest thing that stood out to me was pH. And Now, there's variability out there, certainly, like there always is. But with the pH, it was very low. So I'm just looking on this, uh, this test here when, yeah, because... I've got, let's see, Darren gave me four. Well, on those four, uh, these weren't the low ones. There were some that were really low where I saw the test and it was in the fours and fives. You got a lime there. These are high where there's one clear up to eight pH, and then that's a little bit different. So we'll talk about that coming up right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's about time. Time for unprecedented season-long foliar disease protection. Formulated for a convenient at-plant application, new first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway brand fungicides deliver complete inside-out protection from day one. From root to tassel, stalk to leaf. From planting through harvest. The active ingredient, Flutriophol, moves from the soil through your plants as your corn grows. Change the way you approach foliar disease protection from the start with first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway 3D and Zyway LFR fungicides, available only from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides qualify for the exclusive agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. 
Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Talking about... Uh, some soil tests here that came from Central South Dakota. Rick sent these in, thinking about our Neil Kinsey seminar coming up later this month. If you're interested in, in coming to see Neil Kinsey or if you'd like to watch online, check out the details at agphd.com. It is Neil's event. It, it's not free, but it is at a significant discount compared to what Neil normally charges for these seminars. So we're really grateful that he's doing that. Uh, so again, just agphd.com, click on the events tab and click on Neil Kinsey. All right, Brian, uh, what do you think of these tests Rick sent in? A lot of these 25-year no-till, uh, many of these samples, it looks like he had marked on their four-inch well, depth. Yeah. So there are some people that believe you should only soil test down to four inches deep when you're in no-till. Look, I, I'm, I don't have any issue with that. I'd just be curious as to what's deeper than that as well, because you're going to have some root growth down below four inches. So I'd like to know, do I have nutrients below four inches or do I not? So I, I don't know that. That's one of the things, if I was doing it, I would run the test. Uh, okay, then the next thing is, yeah, he just said, well, take a look at five-year no-till versus 25-year no-till. I don't... I, you know, not knowing where the land sits or any any other anything else about it other than that, it's really hard to say. The 25-year no-till only had 2.4% humus content, we often say organic matter, and the five-year had 2.9%. But again, I, I can't just look at two tests and say, well, I guess 25-year no-till doesn't build up soil organic matter. It normally will, and it normally will do very well. But anyway, uh, for him, I thought one of the most interesting things, Darren, was just how, sure, everybody talks about NPNK, and there are recommendations here for NPNK, as there, as there should be, but it's the micronutrients. <laughs> there was one of these samples. This is a 25-year no-till. He's got a recommendation. Well, he's low on boron, on iron, on manganese, on copper, on zinc, on molybdenum, and on cobalt. So there's seven micronutrients, seven. And that's one of the biggest things that we talk about anymore is, yes, you got to focus on NPK and you probably have to do that first, or, or at least, you know, after you've looked at drainage, after you've looked at pH and that kind of thing. But you've got to take a look at some of these micronutrients because sometimes it might be a $3 expense or a $5 expense, or as we would often put it, investment 
And all of a sudden, you're going to unlock a lot more potential out of your ground. So I guess that's that's really probably the biggest thing that I would say here, just as a general comment to all our listeners. When we look at his tests, he's got a lot of things that he needs for the micronutrients other than just NP and K. But, yeah, I, I think we'll probably try to address these and with Neil at our at uh, at Neil Kinsey's seminar when he's here in a couple of weeks. All right. I uh, get these from Charlie. He's in north central Iowa, Brian. There's some soil samples and the accompanying lime recommendation that looks like they did a variable rate lime app anywhere from two to to three tons, roughly. That was most of the acres anyway. I just wanted you to take a look at these soil tests, see what you think. Um Here's here's what they found in the field, and and the recommendation was putting out two or three tons of lime. So what what, what do we think about just the lime or about everything? Well, uh, just in general, any other tips that you'd have in addition to the lime? But I think basically the lime thing was saying, hey, we did fix that or we did address that. Okay. Well, the first thing that I would see is the base saturation potassium is low. So it gets misleading for a lot of people. Cause so they, a lot of this, the parts per million of K are 175 to 225. Yes. A majority of it yes. falls. And in there are a lot of people that'll say, well, if you're above 175 parts per million on K, you're in good shape. Look, number one, I'm guessing he doesn't want average yields. He's looking for great yields. The next thing is, let's talk about this derecho that went through Iowa last year. Yeah, you had a big wind, okay? We all have big winds from time to time. If your corn fell down, chances are you were low on K. I hate to say it that way and be that blunt, and you're probably going to go, oh, no, I know, I'm doing it fine and everything. Look, the potassium, <laughs> sorry, I, I realize I'm going to offend some people, but if you had your corn go down, the odds are high that you just didn't have enough potassium out there. Get your potassium levels up, and you're going to see a lot less lodging. Now, I'm not going to say the lodging is going to completely go away, but what I would challenge you to do is pull some soil tests from where the worst lodging issue was and just see what you've got. Okay, You've got to make sure that your potassium is great, and when you're talking big-time corn yields, like a lot of people are in Iowa, they're not after 200 bushel corn anymore. They did that 20 years ago. They're after 300 now. Well, if you're talking 300, we're probably talking 6 or 7% base saturation K is where we'd like to be to support the 35, 38,000 population that a lot of people want to raise. Otherwise, the corn's going to fall over every time a big wind comes through. And then on top of that, you got to look at manganese and copper, also two things that are low on his tests. So he's low on the three most important things for standability. Potassium, manganese, copper. So I'm just going to guess, but if he had that derecho come through, the big wind, that some of the corn went down. So those are the things that I would be focused on. Now, on top of that, I would just say phosphorus is really low. He's got a lot around 20 for, for P1 phosphorus, some down clear down to 6. So... You know, if it's me and I own the ground, I don't ever want my phosphorus to get that low because I just worry since it's so immobile in soil, if we get a dry year like we ended up with the last half of last year and what we're concerned about going into this year, that your roots aren't going to be able to find that phosphorus at a high enough level and we're going to have some issues. So if it's me, I'm putting more more K out there, more manganese, more copper, and definitely more phosphorus. Now, on top of that... You know, it's I don't I don't see anything here that's that's totally glaring other than the obvious. If you're going to if you're going to raise corn, you got to have nitrogen and sulfur. Oh, and and boron, the, the leachables, the normal leachables, you know. 
All right. Thank you, Charlie. We appreciate the, the email and the soil test. Get this one from Marco, and he's in Brazil. Marco said, I work for an ag tech company that builds software for ag trading companies in the U.S. even. He said, in January, we got the equivalent of six months' rain in one month. Unfortunately, that caused many of the farmers in the area to lose their entire crop. I was doing some research online and found out you guys talk about farm tile drainage. And I was wondering, if we had pattern tiled, would we be able to stand a month where we get half a year's worth of rain? I'm also curious. Well, how, if, how much rain is that? I don't know. He said, I'm also curious, uh, is this something that, that you would talk about? Is this something that could come to Brazil? Uh, so the answer is obviously yes. You can tile enough to handle a half a year's worth of rain in one month. Absolutely. But the question is, how often does this happen? And is it worth the money to put all that tile in the ground? So what you're really looking for is the drainage coefficient. Okay, what drainage coefficient means is how much water can you get rid of per acre per day? So around here, we set a lot of our stuff up on a quarter inch of rain. And so, and I realize I'm going to talk uh, American terms and uh, our units of measure and everything. But anyway, a quarter inch of rain. So in four days, we'd be able to get rid of one inch of rain. We're in a really dry area. Last year, grand total, the whole year, we only had 14 inches. Even in our biggest rainfall year ever, ever in history, counting the snow, we had 40 total inches. Okay. See, I'm guessing you probably had that in that one month. So the point is, if you're going to get 40 inches, let's just say, you'd have to set your, your tile system up on a drainage coefficient that would be one inch or maybe even greater. The other thing that a lot of people will do is they'll set the tile lines down deeper in the ground. So for us, we're at three feet because we go, well, look, we, we rarely get rain anyway. And if the water table gets, as long as we keep the water table below three feet, we're in good shape, roots can grow fine. Just across the border in Minnesota, they get 50% more rainfall. So over there, a lot of people go at four feet deep or maybe even five feet deep. They want to, they want to create a little more of a, a reservoir, basically. They're, they're able to create more holding capacity in the event of those big rains. So they drain the ground down a little bit more. But again, they're not as worried about not getting rain like I am over here. So absolutely, you could do it. It's just... I don't know if you're going to want to do it because it's probably going to be expensive to set it up at one inch per acre per day. Yeah, and certainly, Marco, you can find lots of content online that Brandon and I have put out there about drainage tile, and there's others as well. There's some great resources there. The other thing you could do if you want to, you could subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider magazine, and then you'd have access to content like our tiling clinic coming up March 16th. Uh, for anyone listening today, uh, you can check out the information at agphd.com. Just click on the events tab and tiling clinic. Thanks for listening to our show. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.